The Korean War was a long time ago. It was from 1950 to 1953. And during that time, 10 million Koreans were separated from their families, uh, displaced, uh, moved to different parts of the countries. I mean, they just tore the country apart. And if you go back, especially, you know, that's, that's a long time ago, you did not have cell phones. You didn't have text messages. You couldn't sit in church and play on your phone. Nobody would ever do that here, but you couldn't. And you, you couldn't email somebody. You couldn't Facebook somebody. You couldn't Snapchat. If you got separated from somebody, it was a bad deal. I mean, it's going to be hard to get connected. So 30 years later, 1983, the Korean broadcasting station decided to have a reunion on national television. About 80% of the country was watching on a Friday night. They'd advertised this. They'd promoted it. So what they did is they had people who'd been separated from family members come, and they held a card with their name on it. It said the place where they were separated from their family from, and it, they were at the TV station. They said, if you see this, come down here. And almost, I mean, within a few hours, 3,000 people were reunited with people, family members they had not seen in 30 years. It was unbelievable. It was so good. What was intended to go one night ended up going uh, for several days, and then for four, five, six years after that, every Friday night, they continued to do that. There's something in our hearts that loves to see a reunion. And you, you young guys and girls don't get this, but you lose a little bit of uh, weight and you get older, you like to go to reunions too. Uh, but, but there's something about our heart. When, when people are, are, we are reunited with someone that we love, it, it's, it's special. We're going to look in Luke 15 this morning at what Charles Dickens, who is a pretty good author in his own right, said is the greatest short story ever told. It's a story of the prodigal son. It's a story some of you have heard before, but I, I, uh, I asked you, stay awake. We'll be finished in about two or three hours, and then you can go eat lunch. But it is a, it is a tremendous story. It's a tremendous story about God and about you, about God and about every person in this room. Let's begin with this. We all have a tendency to get away from God. Every person in here in this room, we have a tendency to get away from God. It's just how we're built. It's our, it's our natural makeup, whether you're a, a student, whether you're a preacher, a coach, a business person, retired. It's easy to get away from God. In verse 11 and 12, to illustrate the point farther, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate. Now, before you die. That's the small little wordplay there, but very significant. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Now, most of the time, you don't get your inheritance from your parents until they go on to glory. That's kind of the way it's supposed to be. This son was so presumptuous and such a punk that he goes to his dad while his dad is still alive, and he basically says, hey, pops, I want what you're supposed to give me when you're dead. I want it now. Now, if this would have been my father and me, this would have been the story of the prodigal son being beaten instead of the, the good, good father we're going to see this morning. The, the way that the Old Testament and the Jewish people worked, you can look this up in the book of Deuteronomy later, if a man had two sons, the oldest son got two-thirds of the inheritance. I'm the oldest son with a younger brother. That would have been awesome. The younger son got one-third. So he's the younger son, and he goes to his dad. 
He's obviously, he's been off. And remember, this picture is a picture of God the Father and of you and me, not just of a dad and a father. And he goes to his father, and he says, Dad, give me what's due to me when you die. I want it now. And his dad did. And so this would have, also this would have been difficult because he had to probably sell some land or property, liquidate some stuff where he could get him some cash, and he gave it to his son. Verse 13 A few days later, because it took a little while, the younger son packed all his belongings and he moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money in wild living. Now, the word distant land there, the phrase distant land, means far country. Basically, what it's saying is that he got, he got really in a rude way his part of the estate from his dad. He thumbs his nose at his father. And then he goes to a place far away where he can be independent and do anything that he wants to do. Now, I want to tell you this morning, that distant land or that far country with you and God is not about space. It's about affections. In other words, you can be sitting in church this morning. You can be sitting in church every Sunday morning and be in the far land with God. You can be in a distant spot with God. And it says when he got there, he wasted everything. He wasted everything he had in wild living. I mean, he partied. He did anything he wanted to do. He had no restraints. Hey, he was independent. I mean, don't we want to live our lives and nobody to get in our business and our way? His father let him. Listen, God will let you and me. God, God will let you and me do whatever we want to do. Man, that's part of him being a good, good father. He he, he lets us go. No, that's, he lets us go, but there's a lot of repercussions we'll see in a moment. He squandered everything. You've heard this story called the prodigal son. The word prodigal literally means wasteful. This is a wasteful son. He slams the father, leaves the father. And again, it's a picture of us and God. And listen, some of us are right here this morning. Maybe it's your first time to be in church in a long time. That's awesome. We're so glad you're here. Maybe you come to church or go to a church every week. But you're in a far spot with God. You're watching on the internet this morning. You're in a far spot with God. I talked to a man who was a shepherd who kept sheep, and he said sheep just have an innate ability to get away from the shepherd. They just wander away from the shepherd. And Jesus, throughout the New Testament, refers to us as being sheep. We've got a unique ability just to get away from God. Have you ever noticed that about yourself? See, some of you aren't far from God this morning. You're just not where you once used to be. You used to read your Bible, you prayed, you served God, you loved God, you shared Jesus. And now you're not a heathen. You're just not where you used to be. How does that happen? Sometimes it just happens. We get careless. We're so, so stinking busy in our world today. And before we know it, we've just moved a long way from God. Sometimes we just want to party. We want to be independent. We don't want anybody telling us what to do. Certainly no preacher, not mom or dad, not even God. We just want to go our own way. Sometimes we're just lost. What do I mean by that? We're not a Christian. No, I mean, we may have been sprinkled, baptized, confirmed, and teach a Sunday school class at First Baptist even, but you're not saved. Sometimes we're Christians. We're just away from God. Again, how does it happen? It's in, our, it's in our DNA. Romans chapter 7, if you read this when you get home, the, the great apostle Paul says this about himself. He goes, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. 
He said, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm messed up. I get away from God. I don't intend to all the time, but I do. Sometimes we intend to, and we do. There's an old, old hymn that says, Lord, I'm prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. I'm prone to leave the God I love. Boy, that's you, and that's me. We have a tendency to get away from God. Nobody's checking your heart right now but you and God. Is that you this morning? Is that me? Let me give you the second thing we see in this story. When we get away from God, we hurt ourselves. Oh, yes, do you hurt your family? Absolutely. When you get away from God, do you hurt your your parents? Sure. Your siblings? Sure. Your husband? Your wife? Absolutely. Men, I just... (laughs) Boy, someday when we stand before God and we have to give an account for our relationship with God and how it affected our wife and kids, my goodness, there's going to be some tears in heaven. We do hurt other people. We hurt our church. We... But ultimately, we hurt ourselves. That's what I want to focus on this morning. See, a lot of times you hear a preacher talk to you about how bad you're going to hurt everybody else, which is true. But when we get away from God, we hurt ourselves. Look again in verse 13. A few days later, the younger son packed up all his belongings, and he moved to a distant land, to a far country. And there he wasted all of his belongings, everything he had in wild living. You know what I found out? I found out before I was a Christian I didn't realize it, but I was a lonely person, and I tried to mask it with relationships and and partying and sports even and friends. When I found God, I I found something that met that loneliness, but even as a Christian, when I get away from God, you know what? I get at a lonely place in my heart, a far country. Some of you are there today. You're, 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 You're wasting your life. Yeah, it's fun. This guy, hey, do I believe this guy had fun for a little while? Absolutely. Here, now I want you to hear everything I'm fixing to say. I don't want people, parents calling me mad this afternoon. Listen to everything I'm going to say. When I was growing up, the preacher would say, if you go party, that's no fun. And I just found out that wasn't true. Now, hold on. What I found out was, is what went along with the partying wasn't fun at all. You wake up in the next morning, you, you got a black eye and a chipped tooth. Some girl's calling you that you don't want calling you. <laughs> you don't have any money. You see, you see, sin is fun for a season, but it always comes back to haunt us. Or a guy calling you, you didn't want calling you. Excuse me, I could have said that too. Look in verse 14. About that time his money ran out and a great famine swept over the land. He began to starve. You see, we run from God, we get away from God, and sooner or later, it comes to roost. He ran out of his belongings, his money, his things, and it says a famine hit the land. In the ancient world, a famine was terrible. Again, you couldn't get on CNN or Fox or whatever and let people know, hey, we're out of food, send us food. It might be two years before people could know that you needed food, and by then, you're dead. I found this out in life, too. When we get away from God, not only do we, we bring troubles on ourselves, but those troubles multiply. You see, whatever you, you plant in the ground, you always get back more than you plant. There's an old saying that I used to hear elderly people say, when it rains, it pours. What that means is when you have problems, sometimes it seems like they just continue to come on you. That's what was happening to this guy. Look in verse 15. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him. 
And the man sent him in the fields to feed the pigs. The word persuaded there in the, the language of the New Testament literally means he glued himself to this man. In other words, he found a guy, a stranger, someone he didn't know, and he begged him, please help me out. And he, and just kind of stalked the guy, I guess, and, and clung to him and said, the guy gave him a job feeding pigs. Now you and I go, you know what? I like to eat pig. Not sure I'd want to feed him for a living. It, but we don't understand the, the degradation here because to a Jewish person, this would have been terrible. In the Old Testament, the Jewish people are told under their dietary laws not to eat pig. They couldn't eat pig. They were told not to touch the carcass of a pig. But now this guy who was partying, having fun, he got away from God and got away from his father doing anything he wanted to do. He's independent. Now he is feeding pigs, glued to a stranger, and he has nothing. Someone said, and this is true, sin always takes us farther than we want it to go Last us longer than we want it to last, and it cost us more than we wanted to pay. That's absolutely right. But his story doesn't even get better when he starts feeding pigs. Nobody would help him, it said. Nobody would help him. He wanted his freedom. He absolutely got his freedom. I want to tell you this morning, will God let you wander your own path? He will. But wandering your own path is going to bring a price tag with it. Again, whatever you sow, you reap. Galatians 6, 7 in the New Testament. You'll see somebody on TV gets busted for 50 plants of marijuana in their backyard, and they'll be interviewed by the police going, I didn't plant that. I planted watermelons. No, they didn't. You don't plant watermelons and dope come up. What you plant comes up. And you decide to get away from God Go your own way. Just understand, it's going to come back on you. Brad Pitt is a famous actor. Everybody in here knows him. You may not know a little bit about his history. Brad Pitt grew up in Springfield, Missouri. Grew up in a Southern Baptist church like ours. A very conservative family. But when he got older, he's gone his own way. He was being interviewed in Rolling Stone magazine a while back. And Brad Pitt said this, I have the condos, I have the money, I have the fame, I have the sex, I have the women. I have power, and none of that helps me sleep better at night. I can do anything I want, and I do. And, and really, he has openly rebelled against his parents and his family's Christianity. But he's saying, hey, you know what? It leaves you empty in the end. Some people my wife and I know, people that don't live around here. In fact, one of them is, is no longer living. I've watched through the years. I've watched them have a, a good relationship with Jesus and then they started working more because they needed more money. And they, they, they started missing church because of different activities and different things going on. And, and then they seeped back into a party lifestyle because they were free and they were independent. And I'd seen those people as ones that loved Jesus, served God, were on fire for the Lord. And then I saw them just absolutely spiral and wreck their lives. Please listen to me. We have a tendency to get away from God. And when we do, whether we're 12, 14, 44, or 84, we're going to hurt ourselves when we get away from God. So that brings us to number three. We need to come back to God. So simple. This is very hard. So simple. Maybe you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ. You need to give your life to Christ this morning. You need to give your life to Christ this morning. Many of you are Christians. Some of you are doing great with God. Some of you, whether it's 
a foot or a mile, you have moved from God and you need to come back to God this morning. Verse 17 is a turning point verse in this story. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home even the hired servants, the hired workers have enough food to spare. Here I am dying of hunger. See, since he came to his senses, he woke up. He said, you know what, I thought that that getting away from dad and having the freedom and and doing anything I wanted and no one telling me what to do, not even God, that was the life I wanted and and it backfired on him and it always does. This is a story about you and me and God. And he wakes up. He smells like pig. He's feeding pigs. His daddy's got money and he is completely broke, probably living in the barn. And he wakes up and he says, this is not how life is supposed to be. You see, this is the first step to you and I getting it together. we got to wake up. We have to wake up and realize that God's got a better life and a better way for us. Verse 18. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. Here's the second part. You've got to own your stuff. I don't doubt other people have hurt you. I don't doubt other people have let you down. I don't doubt churches have disappointed you. They have me too. But we have to own our own stuff. If you're away from God today, confess your sins to God. Own it. Get it right with other people as you need to. But, but a big key to this is that he understood this is all his fault. The word sin there means to miss the mark. We all miss the mark. But boy, when we get away from God, we miss it big time. Look in verse 19. And I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. The third thing you see there is humility. Let me tell you what's going to, you know what's going to keep some of you possibly from going to heaven someday? Is you're not going to humble yourself and come to Jesus. You know what keeps a lot of us as Christians from coming back to God? And getting back on the right path with God is we're just too arrogant. He humbled himself. And in verse 20, the very first part of it, he returned home to his father. You know, there's something beautiful here. He had to go home. He had to go, he had to go back to the farm. But his focus was on this. I'm going back to my father. Folks, you may need to get back in church. You may need to get back reading your Bible and praying. But you know ultimately what you need to do? You need to come to God. You need to go back to God. St. Augustine said this about every person, and I believe this is true. We all have a hole in our heart that only God can fill. There's a hole in your heart that only God can fill. Money can't, pleasure can't, relationships can't, sports can't, church can't, only God can. Whatever your situation this morning is, the solution is coming back to God. Now, before we look at the last thing, let's ask this question. How's God going to respond to you coming back? I guarantee you, in this story, the young man is coming back to his dad, but he's saying, look, I just want to be a hired hand, dad. And it had to be on his mind, how is the father going to receive me when I come back? How's God going to receive you when you come back to him? Here's the fourth thing this morning. God really, really wants you back. That's the beautiful part of this story. I mentioned last week a European theologian who said, Luke 15 is a window for us to see God. It's also a mirror for us to see us. It's a mirror for us to see us, and it's a window for us to see the God 
the wonderful God that we had. God wants you back. Look in verse 20. He returned home to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him. He grabbed a board. He ran at his son and he began to beat him. Y'all with me? Thought y'all were asleep. Okay. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And he was filled with love and compassion. This is God. The son's going home and he's going, what in the world's going to happen? His dad's looking for him. Hey, God's, listen, God's looking for you this morning. God is looking for you this morning. And when he sees the son, can you imagine the joy? It says that he was filled with compassion. Literally, that means deep in his heart and his stomach, he was moved. You know what it's like to, to love somebody or love something? And you, the, the emotions, it's that, that's what he felt. And it says he ran to his son. Guys, in, in this culture, men did not run in public. He didn't care about that. He ran to his son. And it says he hugs him and he kisses him over and over. Now, there's a couple of thoughts here. One is, there's a law in Deuteronomy that if a son rebelled against the well, son or daughter against the against the parent, that they could be taken out and killed uh, for for disrespecting their parents. That would straighten things up at home, wouldn't it? Just show him a stone. Do you want that? No, 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 no. And some people say maybe he was protecting his son. May have been, but he was certainly so in love. I, I just kind of will show you a little picture of this. Come here, Cindy. This is my wife. I want to clarify that. One time I kissed this little girl in the baptistry, Tammy Patterson. You may not remember this. And uh, it was my granddaughter, Riley, but I didn't tell people it was my granddaughter. And I kissed her, and Tammy said, you might tell people next time that was your granddaughter. That looked kind of creepy. Uh, so this is my wife, okay? So it's like he, he grabs his son and he hugs him, and he, I hope, I hope the prodigal son didn't have makeup on, but he was, he went kind of weird. So, he's kissing and kissing, whoa, <laughs> you smell good, baby, go home. On that note, the prodigal son probably did not smell good. He'd been sleeping with pigs and walking for a long time. So he's kissing, he's kissing his son, and he's hugging him, man, he's just, he's just so moved, and the prodigal son he tries, to, he tries to correct the story right here, or, or correct his daddy, and he jumps into verse 21. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. you got to do that. you got to own your stuff. I'm not even worthy. you got to be humble to be called your son. But his father, in verse 22, quickly interrupted him. He didn't want to hear that. He was just glad he was home. He knew he was repentant. Quick, bring the finest robe. This would have been a, a, a way you honored a guest. It was a robe that would have gone from your shoulders down to your, your feet, a special robe. Put it on him. Get a ring for his finger. Now, the, the ring then, rings are significant now. We, we have wedding rings and graduation rings. And, and I was pondering this earlier. Why do we give graduation rings before people graduate? Shouldn't that be after graduation? Because, like, if you get a graduation ring for 2018 and it doesn't go well, you have to go take it to the jeweler and get 2018 ripped off. I don't know. But anyway, that's just a thought. Rings mean something to us. A ring in this day was a sign of authority, a sign of you're part of the family. And in the last part, it's kind of weird. He says, and bring and put shoes, sandals for his feet. So he's barefooted, but also the, the servants didn't have shoes. 
He said, this guy isn't a servant. This is family. Put some shoes on him. In verse 23 and 24, and kill the calf we have fattened. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead. Now he's returned to life. He was lost. Now he was found. So the party began. Get the corn-fed cow. The Jewish people ate red meat only on special occasions. This is a special occasion. Our son was lost. He's found. He was dead. But now he is alive. He's not literally dead, but figurative he was. Let's party. Wow. And remember, this is a picture of you and me and of God. So here's what God is saying to you today. You're not a Christian and you come to God. How's he going to treat you? Man, he is, God is going to be super excited for you to come to him. You're away from God. God so much wants you to come back to him. D.L. Moody was a preacher in the 1800s, and they were having a crusade in a, in a gigantic auditorium, and a little kid got lost. Again, there's no cell phones. There's no even speaker systems. How do you find the kid? Well, they, someone brought the kid to, to Mr. Moody before he preached. He had him on the stage. He picked him up. They said who the kid was and said, if you're his parents, would you come? He said, a man came running down the the aisle, crying. He grabbed the son. He's hugging the son. He's kissing the son. And Moody said, you know, the son was glad to see the dad, but not near as glad as the dad was to see the son. You need to come back to God today. And I promise you, if you do, God's going to be even far more excited for you to come back than you are to be back. In Ernest Hemingway's short story, The Capital of the World, he tells the story of a a dad and a son. The son's name was Paco that had a riff, lived in Spain. Terrible riff, and the son leaves home very angry, very bad. A long time goes by, and the father's heartbroken. He hears his sons in Madrid. Madrid's a big city. So he goes to Madrid, and he puts an ad in the paper. He says, Paco, I love you. All is forgiven. Please come back to me. I'll meet you tomorrow, tomorrow at noon in front of the newspaper. I love you, Dad. And in the story, Hemingway goes on to tell that the next day, supposedly 400 boys named Paco showed up in front of the newspaper office because so many of us need and want that second or that tenth or that fiftieth chance. And I want to tell you, God's extending that to you this morning if you'll take it. Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christian, I'm going to talk to you more in a moment. But I hope you'll come back to God, whatever that means in your life now. For those of you who are here who are not Christians, you're unsure if you're a Christian. You're ready right now to cross the line with Jesus. Would you pray with me? If you're ready and sincere, pray with me and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to turn from my sins. Jesus, I believe you're God's son and that you died and arose for me. Come into my heart. And this morning, I surrender my life to you.
let me have your attention. We're going to stand in just a moment. You can certainly find me or one of our ministers after church, and we'd be happy to talk to you. But you have a chance right now, too, to respond to God. Maybe you just prayed and asked Jesus into your heart. Are you, you're ready to do that. I want to challenge you to do something that's tough, but that'll change your life forever. Come today and give your life to Christ. Come when we stand. Maybe you'd like to join our church. We would love for you to. You can do that after church, or you can come and do it now. We're Luke 15 church. If that's what you're looking for, you come and join us. You're a Christian this morning. Some of you, maybe it's just a, a, an inch or two. Some of you, it's 50 miles. You're away from God. You know God, but you're away from Him. What is it going to take for you to come to your senses? Why not now? Let's stand. You come as God leads you. We'll be waiting on you.